episode 644 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, Todd. I'm ready to talk about comic book stuff. I'm ready to talk about Sandman. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. Should be a short show. It always is. Uh, we'll we'll edit out uh, the 90 minute Sandman talk into its own separate show. Right. We'll make that a whole Patreon tier. But, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I'll try and keep it semi long, not too long. <laughs> <laughs> no. but, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Right. So I say we just attack it. You want to know what's going on on this show? Joe? I do. Uh, in news, a distributor is looking for snitches, Joe. Not um, here, they ain't. Right. All comic writers are equal, but some comic writers are more equal than others. <laughs> um, and also, uh, shakeups on the Hulk. Uh, what we read last week, which was where Monsters Lie, number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to do this week. Todd and Joe have issues where we reread Sandman, which we were reading Sandman 11 and 12. Uh, the return of Todd's art attack, Joe. Ha ha ha. And uh, no uh, TV shows or movies at the end. So, like I said, very svelte, slender read of a show, if you will. Yeah. So, one thing that I want to throw out there, just a TV side note, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are a couple weeks away from uh, Mandalorian coming out, right? Right. Um, I guess the weekend before Mandalorian season three comes out. Mm hmm. Um, ABC and all like their affiliate things, Hulu, Freeform, like whatever is under the Disney umbrella that you don't pay for, right? Are going to show the first episode of the first season of Mandalorian like in prime time. So the season one, you mean for season one, right? Okay, yeah, it wasn't like episode one, season one to get people hyped up for the new season. Yeah, I mean, I, I forget what they did on that too. There was something. Oh, uh, not that it was Disney. Uh, Paramount was like giving like now whenever they do a new Star Trek season or whatever, they give one of the old seasons away for free on, uh, you know, their TV ch channel. So that's what you got to do. You got to get worth of word of mouth. Yeah. Well, you know, Mandalorian is like a high prestige thing. And this is the first time that I think Disney Plus has decided to take one of their shows uh, one of their original shows at any time and give it away for free, you know, so it's a big deal. Right. Hopefully it works out for that little can-do company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's get into uh, the news. As Todd mentioned at the top of the show, uh, many, many years ago, uh, we had heard stories of Diamond sending secret shoppers out to stores mm -hmm. to make sure that your local retailer weren't sending books uh, early. Stuff was getting leaked. Um, you know, sometimes, especially around the holidays, Diamond would send like two weeks worth of books to people. Right. And, you know, the retailer would put their week one stuff out and maybe thumb through the week two stuff just to see if there was any juicy stuff. Right. Maybe flip them, maybe put that high price tag on them ahead of time, you know? Sure. Uh, so, you know, three years ago now, we're coming up on, almost, it's like two and a half years, but like we're coming up on three years that there was the split with DC going off with Lunar Distribution, you know? Right. And even another company at one time, too, weren't they? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. But they're uh, strictly at Lunar now, I think. Yes. So this week, uh, Lunar reached out to uh, retailers saying, uh, as a reminder, all DC books have an on-sale date of Tuesday. 
any violation of street date can result in temporary loss of early delivery to your store. Continued violations may result in permanent loss of early delivery for your store. Right. Uh, They said if you wish to report another store's violation of this policy, please direct your concern to this. Uh, Please note that Luna requires proof of a proof that an item was available to purchase and received prior to the on-street date of Tuesday in order to take action. Proof of early sale can be provided in a variety of ways, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to send people out to make sure that this isn't happening, but we want you to snitch on your other local retailers. Right. I mean, other re- I could see other retailers doing it because, hey, they want to hurt other businesses around them. Right. But what person is going to go in and, hey, they're giving me my books early and for absolutely no, like, um, anything to me, should I hurt my comic book retailer? Like, if you had a reward, I would be nervous. You know what I mean? But just, hey, like, if you see something, say something. You know? Right. And DC already is getting the jump on all the other publishers by putting their stuff out on Tuesdays as opposed to Wednesdays. And I wonder how many, like, how many stores have seen, like, an uptick of, like, oh, we get just as many people on Tuesday for the DC books as we do on Wednesday when all the books are available. Or, oh, we get some stragglers. But everyone still just comes in on Wednesday anyway, you know? Right. But I think really what it is is because I know with our retailer, occasionally, like, uh, a certain employee there will say that she's like, oh, I've read, you know, not saying anything or selling the books, but just be like, hey, you know, like, I'm looking forward to, we already got this book, say, Human Target, and it'll be out next week. So they get their books early, as as you said, and it's those people who are, like, selling them a week early or whatever, um, uh, just because, hey, they want to make some money. You know, I get it. Times are tough, but I don't know. I just look at it as if you don't want them to have those, if you don't want them to sell those books super early, don't give them to them super early. (laughs) Just give them to them kind of early. Right. There's no reason, like, they can't be delivered on, like, a Monday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Which is the way it was always done. Or even when Diamond had... The early things, it was on Tuesdays. Those books would come in on Tuesday morning. Then you'd have all afternoon like to sell them for the next, to get things ready for the next day. So it's not rocket science. They were doing it for years and years and years. So I don't know. And I always loved seeing a secret shopper come in. It made my day Yeah, when I was in there. It would always be like some lady who <sighs> walk in, look around, like older lady, look around and be like, pull a, like, uh, can I help you, ma'am? And she'd pull a note out of her pocket and be like, my kid really wants Batman 112 <laughs> and Sixer Gun 7. Do you mean Sixth Gun? Yes, yeah, Sixth Gun. That It would always be like two of the most randomest books <laughs> that no kid would ever want. Do you know what I mean? Not saying Sixth Gun was bad, but you get what I mean, you know? Yeah. And it would always just be like, no, I can't sell them to you today, ma'am, but I could hold them for you and you could come back tomorrow no that's okay billy will just have to come in on another day and it's like no like we know what you're doing so but uh if lunar wants to be me to be a secret shopper reach out to me i'll I'll absolutely be a secret shopper yep yeah my paypal is open that's right uh speaking of dc uh so again uh, this 
initially fell under the rumor and innuendo file until we got a little bit of confirmation on this. Um, so DC seems to be consistently running two to three um, crossover events at any one given time these days, right? Events or opportunities, your choice. <laughs> yes. And what they've been attempting to do is, you know, you have your spinoffs, you have it crossing over into different titles, you have your side miniseries and stuff like that. Um, but then what would happen is you would have like one or two creative people, a writer and an artist, two writers, whatever, who would be like the driving force uh, of the entire crossover to make sure that like all the pieces line up correctly. Because a lot of times right. it's a crossover, but it's like crossover in that we slap the crossover's name on the cover of the book in the hopes that you get a little bit of a boost, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a rumor going around that the folks that were writing the side books were getting their rates cut because they had to get a portion of whatever they were contracted to do the book for go to the creative team that was writing the big book since they were, quote unquote, show running the crossover. Mm hmm. Um, and again, that's something that one, you should kind of like, I, I, I like the idea of having some continuity and some consistency to your crossovers, but like, don't take that money out of the pay of the other people that are working on the books. Yeah. You're, you're literally run by Warner brothers. Yeah. If you, you know, here's, if you have like a hundred thousand dollars to spend on your your crossover and you don't, you just, you don't give three quarters to the main group that's doing the main event and 25 to the rest. You give them all their rates or you a lot more money just to pay the showrunners. That's the word we're using. You don't cut people's rates. Like mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Right. And you know, I, I heard, <laughs> and again, on a different podcast these days, and they're talking about drug testing and so forth, right? Like the mandatory drug testing and wrestling, <laughs> where uh, somebody was like, instead of like, hey, that drug test cost you $500, I promise you I'm not on drugs, let's just take that $500 and give me a $250 bonus this week and you keep the other $250, right? That sounds good. Right, that's a good opportunity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that we put this into the, the, the news file is that specifically Mark Wade and the artist Gene Lun Yang, who are working on... The current Lazarus. Lazarus Planet event, right? Like specifically, came out and said, "Like we're not doing this. Like mm-hmm. we're not getting a bump in pay. We're not requesting a bump in pay for show running the thing." Um, you know, obviously, wherever you had heard this, we can't speak for past crossovers, but the one that we're working on, that's definitely not going on, right? Uh, so Mark. to get a public acknowledgement by you know Mark Wade, it's a big deal, right? Right. So to to have him come forward and say like yeah this story might be a lie, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, and now a question for me to you is: Are you picking up Lazarus Planet at all? I'm not. Right. Neither am I. Even though like Mark Wade's involved with it, and we and it kind of spins out of his world's finest and other stuff, um, and all the other books. I just think like you know. Uh, by not buying these world-shaking crossovers, maybe they'll do less of them. I know that's just a drop in the bucket, but you got to do something. Hopefully, we'll get you know more, you know, little books and stuff like that at these companies, and less Batman. I don't know. I'm getting too old, Joe. I'm crossover event fatigued, and I have been for a long time. And the one that I could point to 
Um, it was like, let's say four years ago. Um, it was like some sort of Avengers classified thing that was written by Nick Spencer. Okay. Does any of that ring a bell to you? Vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. So it was like a, a an Alpha and Omega, like bookend books. And then it, like the ripples of which were felt in all these other books. And I'm like, okay, well, I like Nick Spencer. I like the Avengers. I'm going to check these out. And they had very little to do with it. And then the big earth shattering thing of the crossover ended up not being anything literally at all. It was just right. immediately forgotten. Right. Right. And that was the last one for me. If there's stuff that crosses over into books that I'm already reading, like I'm already reading the book, you know, and how many extra books do I need to get to figure out what's going mm -hmm. on in your storyline? One. Okay. I'll pick up one extra book for like three or four months. But that's really my threshold, right? I'm with you. Uh, we, we talked recently, like, there was a big crossover that just wrapped up in Amazing Spider-Man, where it was crossing over with uh, X-Men stuff. Right. So not only was there your bookend books, not only did, was it crossing over with two X-Men books, there was no less than four concurrent miniseries that were going on. Right. Right. And Todd, I know now I was only reading the Amazing Spider-Man side of this crossover, but you're going to be surprised to learn that the four side miniseries that were branded with this crossover, not one of those four people showed up in Amazing Spider-Man. Wow. So and two of them are Spider-Man characters. Mm hmm. Didn't even show up. So like, I, it, how important was it for me to read this crossover? I don't care about the X-Men. No offense to the X-Men, but I don't care about the the X-Men, right? Mm -hmm. um, I care about Spider-Man, and I got my Spider-Man, and the crossover is now over, and I'm going to get Spider-Man this week, and I almost guarantee you there's going to be, like, one box where it says, uh, you know, Pete's referencing the events of Dark Web that wrapped up last month, and that's mm -hmm. it. It always harkens back to me. I forget which one it was, but it, it wasn't Infinity Gauntlet, whether it was War or Crusade. And I'll never forget it because Silver Sable, um, you know, her country was next to Latveria and he, she knew Doctor Doom because they were both kind of like rulers of their country. And she goes, knocks on like uh, Doom's castle and like Boris answers or something like that. Uh, uh, Doom's valet. And she's like, I'm here to see, you know, the, the Victor. And he's like, Victor's off fighting in the Infinity Crusade or off in the Infinity War. Dot C Infinity War 4 or whatever. And that was it. And that's when I knew, Joe, in my heart of hearts, that I didn't need three quarters of these crossover books. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it is really the biggest opportunity running. Yeah, and it's going to take a lot for... Um the creative teams and these crossovers to actually mean something to get a lot of those people that left, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Or variant covers. That'll bring the people in, Joe. Well, variant covers are gonna bring always gonna bring a certain um group Cl of people in. Right. A clientele, if you will. Yeah, will. a certain clientele for sure. Uh so last but not least, um it's been on a bit of a delay after the big crossover. We talk about crossovers. See, there's another thing. So crossovers. There was that big Thor and Hulk crossover, right? Mm -hmm. I was already getting Thor. I was already getting Hulk. I had to pick up one extra book. I'm getting that crossover, right? 
Right. See uh, Nightwing and Son of Kal El. Same way. I know. Right. There are. I'm two books. I'm already getting. They're crossing over with, with each other. I do not need to add anything extra to what I'm buying. Right. Right. So um, I really think that that crossover ended up doing more harm than good, at least creatively for both books. Yeah. Because um, it was Al or who it was. Donny Cates was writing both. Yep. And then Donny Cates quickly left both, and one was one was quickly and quietly, and the other one was slowly and quietly. <laughs> I think the last two the last two issues of this current Hulk run from uh, Donny Cates are being written and drawn by Ryan Otley, which I like Ryan Otley's art. I don't know him as a writer, you know. Yep. Yep. Um. And who is the new writer on Thor? It's like some sort of Scandinavian fella. Yep. He has an umlaut in his name, so I'm not giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took over Thor with like no little to no fanfare. They're just they're the new writer on the book. Mm-hmm. Hulk has been delayed a bunch. And then there's a new creative team coming on uh this summer. They're rolling out like their whatever in the Hulk annual that's coming out in May. Uh, David Pipos and Keo Machado, uh, you would know them, I guess, like within the last year. They were the creative team on the Savage Avengers book. Okay. Um, they did a Avengers book that was like for the uh, web exclusive as well. Mm-hmm. But those are the only things that they've done is Marvel. Um, their pitch for their Hulk storyline is essentially... Um, you know, they're going the horror element, which a lot of people do with the Hulk, uh, but they're doing it as like as though the Hulk's latest rampage was a found footage movie. OK, interesting premise on paper. But we're like 25 years past, like the found footage movie craze. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how that's going to translate to a comic book with an unfounded, untested creative team. I'm going to check it out because I like the Hulk. I'm the same way. I'll always give the Hulk a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. I just, I, you know what? And I, and you've said it, so I can't really say it any better. It's, a, you know, a tired premise, but anything done well. You know what I yes. mean? So hopefully they can pull it off. I don't know. Um, but I did hear some good things about Savage, uh, Savage uh, Avengers. So I have some high hopes, or yeah. some hopes at least. So yeah, I'll give it a try. I'm riding... I'm riding Hulk out and Thing out, uh, not Thing, uh, Thor out, um, just because they'll, you know, it'll only be a couple more issues. But the only thing I have to say in all of this too is I feel like Donny Cates is the new John Cena because I can't see him. I, w- have you seen him do anything in the last eight months? Uh he did an eight pager in the crossover number one three D reprint. Right, which he probably had in his back pocket. Um, probably. I'm just wondering, like, if he's okay, man. Uh, I'm sure he's fine. I know he yeah. took uh, several breaks from social media. Mm-hmm. That's all. I need to do that, too. I had a break last week. I have a feeling if you keep posting bloody pictures of people, you're going to have another <laughs> one. <laughs> no, nah, I've learned my lesson, Todd. Mm-hmm. Wasn't me who reports you. I mean, what? No, Donny Cates is doing Vanish. What are you talking about? Oh, that's right. And you said, I think that was a pun of you saying you can't see him. 
Yeah, it all works out. My script writers are doing wonderful. Yeah, so. and I think uh, the next issue of Vanish, uh, Vanish comes out next week. It definitely oh. comes out either next week or the week after. Okay. Right? Look at me having like a mental breakdown. Right. And I will. And again, I just I just want to throw this out here as I'm just looking at his social media. Um, he was retweeting old stuff about the Jessica Jones TV show recently. Ooh, I wonder if that means anything. I don't know nothing about nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But he was like, here's a like literally a tweet that he retweeted like two weeks ago, which was a June of 2022 Jessica Jones thing. Here's another one where it's March of 2022, and he's retweeting uh, Jessica Jones stuff. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. But Vanish, he's working on Vanish, Todd. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'll give the Hulk thing a try. The Thor thing, sadly, I gave up once I didn't see Donnie Kate's name on the cover no more. I'm just like, mm, we can go on. I don't know this guy. Um, the book lost a little momentum. Let's pick up something else, you know? Right. Uh, so that's the news. Uh, there is a comic book convention, and I say comic book convention loosely, right? <laughs> um, I always get button hooked by these things where they call it a comic book convention. And there's no comic book people there under the guest list. It's mostly like voice actors and stuff. Right. Which is fine. That's what you want to call it. That's what it is, right? Um, but the only folks that I noticed their names there were there was uh, Doug Jones. Right. And uh, Mick Foley. How do you know Doug Jones? I know Doug Jones because he is... Like he's like the uh, the weird like when you can't get um back in the day it was like when you couldn't get Ray Park yeah you got Doug Jones if you needed somebody who like was a lithe like kind of like shapeshiftery makeup actor but you didn't need him to do mm-hmm. kung fu right. you got Doug Jones Doug Jones primarily works with uh, Guillermo del Toro. He works in a yeah. lot of his things. Right. And he plays Adam's favorite Star Trek character, Saru in Star Trek discovery. It is not Adam's favorite character, <laughs> but, uh, um, that's where I know him from. I didn't know him from all of that. Uh, yeah. as soon as I looked at the thing, I was like, Oh, this guy plays Saru from discovery. So that's a lie. Nobody likes discovery. No, it's no, uh, strange new world. Nobody likes that either. <laughs> Stop it. Best show. Um, one of the top three best shows of last year. Hmm. Let's move on. Yes. To soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Everyone's favorite. Anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, it's a bunch of us, friends, acquaintances, uh, ne'er do wells, and so forth that all are under the same umbrella unofficially. You can find all of our stuff when it goes live. Sure, you can get your podcatchers, but depending on what podcatcher you're using, it might be down, might be unreliable. Soon to be named network is always there for you, and you can find your favorite shows, whether it be this show that you're listening to, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, The Boutique Limited series, No Chance in Helmet. Should be maybe coming back again uh, here shortly. You know, there is more football going on after the Super Bowl. Right, Just maybe saying. a jersey spinoff. Who knows? Or maybe a jersey spinoff. Who knows? Uh, Porch Talk. 
And uh, anytime any of the folks from those shows go on other shows and they let me know that there are those other shows, you can find all your favorite soon-to-be-named network personalities, other podcasts appearance at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com. I'm glad I chose such a mouthful of a show uh, network thing here, right? Right. Uh, you can check out some of our other friends and their musings across the internet. Our friend Mike Sterling, uh, his blog, Progressive Rune. He's a longtime West Coast retailer, got lots of great stories, and he's always posting up some weird finds and stuff that he gets. Uh, people bringing in collections and so forth. Uh, you can go check out our friend Kevin, uh, his website, Mass Library. Please don't send him any unsolicited messages. He's very easily tricked. <laughs> uh, Rick Williams, uh, free karate chops dot store dot com. Uh, those cool, uh, resin glow in the dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. He also does pins and stickers and all sorts of other stuff as well. Uh, longtime listeners of the show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg respectively have put out self-published comic books, battle monsters and Jupiter, the names of those comic books. Uh, you can check them out. We have ways that you can go and purchase those either digitally or in, or in print directly from them and of course if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area is your comic book shop selling those dc books a day early <laughs> our comic shop doesn't and that's comics on the green uh we have their facebook page linked up here that's where dave and the crew put up most of the information about new releases when the books are in when you can come and get their books in uh, hot books that are coming in when the pre-orders are cut off, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, you could sign up for their mail order subscription service, get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, uh, you can get a chance to get a sketch on your package from our good friend Becky. And you can go check out her social media that's linked up there. Uh, where you can check out her prints and process and commissions. Unfortunately, she does not have a link where you could purchase uh, her uh, her portfolio. Right, a sketchbook, if you will. And I want to throw out here as well, and I'm re-adding it back into the uh, links here. I would be remiss not to mention it. Uh, our good friend uh, Davy Jr. Yes. So he has a self-published comic book himself uh, that he had put out a little while back. Um, entitled Keeper, and we publi we publicized it, we promoted it, we put the link in there, and then after a while, it was out of stock. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it's back in stock now. Yep, a little independent. He's got to, you know, get it when he can. Yeah, so we're going to put that back into the show links as well. Uh, Davey's a, uh, a great person. Uh, he's a musician. He's a comic book person. Uh, and please go support him. God forbid the only thing that he's known for is his tattoos, you know? Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> I do the plugs. Come on. I was going to slip a tattoo thing in there, but you did it, so I'm happy. Right. Uh, so, hey, let's get into what we both read from this past week, huh? Right, and that's just going to be uh, Where Monsters Lie from Dark Horse, um, written by Kyle Starks, friend of the show, Kyle Starks. And how would you say that? Peter Kowalski, Joe? Peter? I, I think you nailed it. I think it's Peter, though. Okay, just check it. Um, and it's called Where Monsters Lie, like I said. And uh, the first, op you open the inside cover, and it has a wanted, wanted poster. And, Joe, these people are wanted and extremely dangerous. Use ca caution. Consider armed. Uh, there's Zell 
Puzzle Man, Frankie and Pearl, Richard, Pack Rat, St. Julian, and Daniel Dawson, and the rest, if you will, Joe. Um, I won't say his name, but uh, it starts out with a couple of kids running from a house um, with gunshots, and they end up, you know, coming to this old lady's house, who's Zell. Um and basically things go wrong because we find out that they're running from a uh, puzzle master and you know, they, they end up killing these kids. Maybe somebody gets away. Um, and she ends up calling a group meeting. Um, and basically says, you know, explains what the situation, this is basically, um, Highlander meets like serial killers. This place that they live is a gated community, which is safe ground. You don't kill there. You don't hunt there. And for that, they end up helping you as, as serial killers, uh, every way that they can from the, the tropes that are in all the movies that you've seen, they're there to help you, um, uh, build your special traps because you can't, you know, just hire construction workers to do it. Um, to like a lot of interesting things to dragging your body away when people think you're dead. Uh, that one, that one kind of popped me, um, to just getting their groceries and taking care of stuff and scheduling who's going to go do killings on certain days and all that stuff. Just laying out all the tropes that even as a non-horror fan that I am not, not even, you know, in your mind, Joe, just, I understand all of this from just hearing about uh, serial kill, like, uh, you know, horror movies with certain types of murders and all of them are based on certain types, whether it be a Jason or the clown from a house of a thousand corpses or, uh, you know, uh, Michael Myers kind of a thing. Um, and we basically get the layout of everything that's going on. And then maybe because of what puzzle master did with those kids, maybe one gets away and may, you know, lead to trouble down the line for them or immediately. Uh, we will see, but I love this. This made me laugh in a creepy, like horror, um, uh, serial killer horror movie way. I just, as a guy who doesn't love horror movies, I love this even. So I'm genuinely curious what you thought as a horror movie fan. So as a horror movie fan, I absolutely positively love this. Um, you know, the, the premise of this, the gated community, as you mentioned, uh, where all of these people kind of hide out while they're, you know, in between killing sprees, them having the assistants do stuff like that. The, um, the tropes that you get to see there. Um, and obviously some are expanded on a little bit. I don't want to give too, too much away, but obviously um, one of the people... Uh, who had been ordering a bunch of what they thought was going to be killing implements, mm -hmm. uh, ends up stuff that he could do his yard work with. Right. And he was he finds out that he was just looking for any sort of cutting and slashing to do. And maybe right. he's replaced people with his lawn. Mm -hmm. uh, then you get the, bit, the prolonged bit in this issue with the Texas Chainsaw family that comes in. <laughs> yes. Which was right up my alley. Mm -hmm. And there's so many, like, little things that, like, you know, then you have, like, your clown. And, like, the clown could be Pennywise from It, or it could be the uh, the the Captain Howdy character from the House of a Thousand Corpses stuff. But then, like, how he wants a stipend for a flamethrower, and he wants to branch out of what his character does. And, like, <laughs> all that sort of stuff was great. And, obviously, I love this book. Uh, Kyle's a great person. I think it looks beautiful in a very gory sort of way. Right. 
the only complaint I have about this, and it's nothing to do with the actual book itself, okay? Mm -hmm. It's the solicitation. Okay. Now, I don't read no Kyle Stark solicitations, right? You give me a title of a book, you tell me the day it comes out, and I'm good to go, right? Right. Um, So we get a bit at the end where, as you mentioned, uh, what's it, the Puzzle Face Killer? What's his name? Puzzle Master, I think. Puzzle Master Killer. He lets one of his victims get away. The victim goes to the authorities. And then we get a bit at the end where the guy is like, I've been on the search for these people forever, right? So he's somebody who's introduced in the last couple pages of the issue. The solicitation for the book gives that character's entire backstory and motivation. Wow. Right. Which we don't get any of that in the book. And I would have loved to have had that doled out to me over the story. Right. As opposed to just like in the solicitations for issue one, we get the backstory of the character who we're going to be fully introduced to in issue two. And again, I'm sure Kyle and Peter had no control over how that got solicited. Right. A complete info dump in the solicitation. Yeah. So Dark Horse, you got to get better at that sort of thing. Like, I'm just saying, I go to their site, right? And it's included in the notes. Because there's a preview, it's like the first like five or six issue uh, pages of the issue. Go buy this regardless. Read the first paragraph, not the second paragraph. Right. I'm not even going to do it because I don't want it ruined now that I don't yeah. know anything. Um, I will say this. Who does a Dark Horse think they are? Adventures of Superman 500. Oh. <laughs> See previewing the past. Um, the only two other things that I will say that I have nothing to do uh, is I'm interested in who Wyatt is, like Zell's assistant. Yeah, yeah. Or friend, because he's one of the few people in the community that's not in the opening inside cover page. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something there, you know what I mean, that I'm very interested in. And then I like the title, as stupid as it sounds, it's called Where Monsters Lie. And is this, Joe, is this where monsters lie their head at night? Or is this where monsters tell fibs? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> no, it's a really, uh, a really strong premise. Uh, elevator pitch sort of material, um, highly recommended. And, you know, as we mentioned, you got your, your tropes of your famous people. Um, but just enough of the serial numbers filed off just in case they wanted to take this bigger, like, you know, somebody want to option this into like some sort of other media, you know? Yep. And like, I always say, Kyle Stark always has one great name when it comes to characters in a book. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yep, that's the guy with the lawn. Oh no, that's yeah, yes. that's, the, that's the lawn guy. Yes, 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 with the stuffed animal. So yeah, uh, but I highly recommend this book. Um, you know, obviously, all the other books knew not to come out last week because uh, they'd be competing with uh, where monsters lie. Yep. Uh, there is no Kyle Stark's books this week, but if you do head over to longboxheroes.com, we do put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Which, uh, whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them in print, whether you wait for the trades, the hardcovers, the omnibuy, whatever, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead with one correct guess over me, so let's uh, see how things shake out this week, sir. Right. I really want to say Amazing Spider-Man 19 so you can find out about all those asterisks, uh, but... I'm going to say the book you're looking forward to most is Batman 132. I was on the fence. It was almost uh, Amazing Spider-Man 19, but it is, in fact, Batman 132. 
cool. I stay in the lead. And I think that's also the same book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is also. Yes. Uh, like I said, a close second is that Amazing Spider-Man because it is a one shot. It's written by Joe Kelly, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. Um, and it's kind of wrapping up the previous storyline and kind of moving things back to where the book was moving to before it got tied up into an X-Men crossover, which right. is typically the worst place that anyone could really be. Right. I'm not an X-Men hater. I'm just someone who doesn't have the time or patience to be bothered with the X-Men. Right. Are you an X-Men understander? No, I'm not an X-Men understander neither. Right, right. Uh, so that's uh, while you're over at Longbox Heroes, of course, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to there, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, uh, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, you can go sign up for our Patreon as well. The link is right there on the front page. You can't miss it. Big orange thing. It says Patreon. Or you can go to patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Over there, you're going to get two bonus shows a month from Todd and myself. Our movie show, where this year we're looking at the comic book oddities. Uh, you know, pretty much uh, pre-Iron Man stuff. Uh, we just came off discussing Roger Corman's Fantastic Four and the documentary about Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. So you got like a two for there. Uh, right. This month, we're going to be watching the Fox pilot of the David Hasselhoff starring Nick Fury movie from the 90s. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we have a bunch of things. We spin a wheel at the end of the episode. And we figure out what we're going to watch next month. And also, of course, the stalwart previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We also have the full scans, mostly expertly done. There's a couple pages at the end, maybe about 30 or so pages. Look a little shoddy if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um High quality, expertly done for the most part up there at all Patreon levels. $5 and up, you're going to get those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you're going to get uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to the show in the correct listening order. And I'm going to give a shout out here for those of you that have already listened to After Dark or are going to listen to After Dark later this week. Uh, big thank you to longtime listener and patron of the show, Kurt Harper. You get a special shout-out this week. Yep. You, my good man, are a true Longbox hero. Yes. Uh, and, of course, uh, this week is the Tee Public sale. Uh, if you don't want to buy the shirts or pins and stickers that I got here at my house, uh, you could buy more designs inspired by this show, by Longbox Heroes After Dark, by Add-Ods with Wrestling, by other shows in the soon-to-be-named network. Hey, even get a soon-to-be-named network logo shirt. 35% off all your stuff over at Tee Public, and you can get stuff on cell phone covers, notebooks, throw pillows, everything else like that from now until Sunday, 35% off. Um, you know, let your fandom flag fly by making a purchase over at Tee Public. Right. And uh, Todd, do we have an art attack this week? We do have an art attack this week um, from. Uh, let me see. I lost my Twitter feed. It went down, but now it's back. Um, from Jesse DeYoung, uh, he had while digging around in the back issue bins at my local comic shop, I ran into an amazing find. I discovered a Witchblade sketch by Ryan Otley. I nabbed that thing right up. So it was a nice little sketch of uh, uh, he said Witchblade. Um, it's very like uh, not details very quick very uh clean and slick but it looks perfect and that's a great uh quick sketch by ryan otley of witchblade 
Yeah, and again, imagine going through your back issue bin and just finding a sketch in there, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's crazy. And that's a great stuff. I'm a fan of Ryan, Lo- Ryan Otley's stuff. Um, obviously you could tell that was done with like one of those like uh, fancy markers that your favorite artists use. Um, and as Todd mentioned, it looks like just a quick bust of uh, the lead character of Witchblade, who I don't know what her shoot name is. It's like Witchblade or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could tell that care was done on making sure that her hair was perfect. Yes. Um, so yes, Jesse, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, with us, uh, maybe you're heading out to a convention yourself, listener, getting a commission done, getting a sketch done. You got some original art that just came in to you. You yourself are a burgeoning artist and you want to share it with the world. Just make sure that you tag Todd's Art Attack and we will make sure to share your art with the rest of our world. Yes. And now it's time for Todd's favorite part and my favorite part as well. Who am I kidding? It mm-hmm. is Todd and Joe have issues for 2023, we are doing a reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, not just the straight-up 75 issues. We got the miniseries, all the ancillary stuff in there. Anytime any of the uh, uh, Have Issues posts go up, you'll kind of see the framework, the fishbone of what we're going to be reading in any speci- any particular order. Um, it's usually going to be about two issues a week, um, and if it's not two issues a week, you can let me. Uh, I'll let you know in advance. Or we usually let you know a week ahead of time, right? Right. And uh, this week we are discussing issues 11 and 12, which are right in the smack dab middle of the Doll's House storyline. Right. Um, And Rose now has gone to America um, from last issue, and she's going to the place that she's going to be staying while she's in Florida looking for Jed, um, her brother. Uh, and also I looked it up last week cause you were saying that on the TV show that Rose was a teenager. Mm. Um, it was stated in the series cause I went back and looked that she's 21 in the show, but like here she looks young for her age. Right. Okay. So no problem. Um, but, uh, she ends up meeting like the, the people of the house, the guy who runs it, who's Hal. Um, he ends, she ends up meeting, uh, Ken and Barbie who are dating Joe then, you know, that's very funny. Um, and they kind of like ask how, um, if, uh, Dolly will be showing up this evening because, uh, someone's parent is coming and she, you know, she's very like one, very normal. And he's like, no, I don't think, uh, Dolly's going to be visiting us tonight. Um, and along the way they meet, uh, Chantel and Zelda. Uh, Chantel does all the talking for the tomb. They dress in, white lace kind of a thing like that cover up can't see anything on them um and even throughout the story we're not sure if they're they even say later on when rose is thinking about them you know you can't tell if they're old young uh like lovers mother daughter sisters there's like a very vagueness about them but they do possess the largest collection of stuffed spiders um on the eastern seaboard (laughs) so that's kind of cool um, so Hal says that's everybody except for Gilbert. He lives on the, the, the top floor. Uh, you might see him coming and going. Um, so she's like, okay, I'm here. Like, she basically tells him that she's there to, to find her brother, Jed, who she hasn't seen in seven years or so. So while all this is going on, like intermingled throughout the, uh, the comic, is uh the like the land of the marvelous dreams which is sandman and lyda hall um and and little jed and it's all told in 
basically the look and style of Little Nemo, like a, a very famous comic, which I never read, a comic strip. I'm aware of. I'm aware of Little Nemo. Right. Everybody like talks like all my favorite creators talk about it as this influential comic, but I've never looked into it or never read it. But uh, that's what Neil was going for with with the Sandman, that look. And he even I guess apparently he said that Little Nemo was lettered in a certain way and he wanted to do that here. But DC got skittish because they were getting very close to making it look like Little Nemo. Um, so they're like, no, you can't have it lettered that way. And he was like, but it's like a comic from 1905. It's kind of like, you know, almost public domain now. They're like, we don't care. Like, just we're going to do it this way. So he was like, OK. So like Jed's having these adventures um, with uh, the, the Silver Age Sandman. And we cut to like he wakes up and he's living in a foster home um, with these two people who like were related. You find out that they're related to his actual father, um, but his father died and they're just keeping them for the check. Like they're like, they just have them locked in the basement. Um, so we end up finding out like, like Rose ends up like she's writing a letter and basically gets her take on all the, the roommates and stuff like that. Um, and then that's when we find out when Hal is actually, uh, is into drag and he does these, uh, drag shows and that he's actually Dolly. Um, and that he, you know, he's going to be doing a show later that night. So she wants to kind of go see him. And this is where we get, like all I said before, like the, the, that the kid went with his father when the parents divorced and the father died, and went to his grandfather and he was a nice guy, but ends up, you know, going to the rest of the family that she's not sure who they are. They're there to try to figure all this out. Um, that, and she says that there's a Raven, you know, at the window, watching them and Hal's like I you know you brought that raven when you came so you should be paying rent like kind of a gag and that's when we find out that raven is Morpheus's uh ally his sidekick kind of a deal his eyes in the waking world right and he's like okay you know Matthew now as this thing, because I'm going to kind of uh, turn off into a little thing here. Matthew was actually, and, and we were talking about this before the show, was Matt Cable from Swamp Thing. He first appeared in Swamp Thing number one. He was Abigail Arcane, a.k.a. Al Collins' girlfriend later, his her husband. And he ended up getting in a car accident. He had some powers. Um, and Anton Arcane kind of possessed his body from the dead. And then left him in a vegetative state in a coma for like 50 issues. And then he shows up in San, uh, Swamp Thing 84. There's an issue that's written by Rick Veach, and it has, and special thanks to Neil Gaiman. And it was about, I don't know, eight months before this, where Sandman comes to Matthew while he's, you know, in a coma and says, like, you know, you have to give Abigail closure and blah, blah, blah. She's like, can't let you go. Um, and he ends up like coming out of the coma for a minute. They were harvesting his organs. So he was held together by machines and he destroys the machines and he dies and he tells her, let it go. So this is where he ends up, uh, because he died in the, in the dream world that we get, uh, him taking Matthew in as his Raven, which I always thought was cool. Um, uh, that it just ties that up, but it's, I don't think it's ever mentioned anywhere in the book later 
that all that happened. So, but it was Sandman, uh, Swamp Thing eighty four. So, I isn't there toward the very end where like they don't tell you, but they give you a reference to it, maybe, probably. But he p- kind of played fast and loose with it. I think you know. Okay, but uh, that I don't remember. When we get there, we'll get there. Um, but he also is like he's like keep a, keep an eye on her because she's the. She's the vortex kind of a deal. Um, and while he's doing that, he's creating uh, new nightmares, which are like creepy. They're like these things with no faces with guts in the hole where their their, their face is. And I thought that was, you know, icky. Um, so Rose goes to uh, the drag show and she's cutting through uh, an alleyway. And she ends up getting attacked and uh Gilbert ends up showing up and defending your honor. He has like a cane. He's like using it like a sword. He ends up stopping all the people and they end up having a conversation. And after she saves, after he saves her and she figures out that he's Gilbert, uh, from upstairs. And, uh, Gilbert is based on one of Neil Gaiman's visually, uh, favorite writers, G G K Chesterson, Google G K Chesterson, and then look at, uh, Gilbert. And there is no doubt in my mind that uh, he is based on him. Um, more along the way of, uh, of uh, you know, the kid in the slumberland and how, like, it reacts to him. He's like, when he lets, like, all these gerbils out of a dream bubble, um, you know, in a, in a funny, like, gag. In the real world, he's getting attacked by rats in the basement. Um, and it's just tragic. Like even just like some of the dialogue, this little kid, like cursing out, uh, mice and stuff, uh, back at the house, uh, Hal and uh, Rose are talking and Gilbert ends up saying that there's a phone call from you. Um, and, uh, she runs and he's like, who was he? He goes, do you think I would like interrupt, like listen to a phone call? It was the PI and he has good news. Um, while, while that happens because, Sandman can't find Jed that he knows that that's who she's looking for. Um, he needs someone's blocking him from it. In the waking world, he should be able to find anybody. Uh, so he needs a picture. So the, so Matthew ends up stealing, uh, the, the picture and, uh, he realizes somebody with power would have to do this. So it's one of the, uh, hit, uh, the runaway nightmares or dream people. He's like, is a fiddler green, brute and gob, or the Corinthian? Um, cut to actually the the Corinthian, and he's on the phone getting a uh, talking to somebody who's doing a convention, and they want him to come. And he's like, yes, I'll I'll do that. Uh, put me down uh, as the the Corinthian. And one of the cool things that I like about this is he's like, he's doing stuff with the eyeballs, and you're not sure 100 what he's doing. He's eating them, maybe. Um, and this was in last month's and I didn't mention it in this month. The thing that I love is the color change in the artwork, Joe, because he's putting the sunglasses on from his perspective. Yes. Every time you see it, it's like whether or not he has the sunglasses on. And as what we find out about the Corinthian, whether he has the sunglasses on or not is important to the person looking at him. If you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so that's kind of cool. So, uh, He's going to head down to the convention. Rose figures out that they got a lead on uh, her brother. So she's going to go. But Gilbert says, you know, I'm going to go with you. Because especially, you know, there's trouble 
all over America, uh, as we saw last night. So uh, I think I should go. And uh, she's like, nah, but then she ends up, you know, getting in and she's talking about all the stuff that they get $800 for them kind of a deal. Um, And so at least they're probably taking good care of them. Cut to uh, the kid and they are not taking good care of them, Joe. Um, So uh, this is when Dream ends up finding them and he realizes that it's Brute and Glob. Um, that they are doing something, creating like a dream bubble um, that severed it, this child from the dreaming, um, and they are living in his mind. Um, I don't know what game they are playing, he says, but I know this. I am very angry, Lucian, and it is my move. And that last panel, as I talked about, I love Sandman with the flames on the robe. Yes. This is... This is, uh, uh, what's his, the artist, uh, Mike Dridgenberg's last issue. But man, oh man, does he go out on a page that I'm getting goosebumps just from looking at it, Joe. Okay. Couple things. Uh, you know, obviously, as you went through uh, this issue, more, I'm, we're going to look at a more technical thing. Obviously, the Brute and Glob stuff, the Golden Age Sandman stuff, none of that was in the Netflix show, right? No, it was. Brute and Glob were in the Netflix show? The Sandman stuff was. Oh, but Brute and Glob were not. No, they were conglomerated into one uh, right. night, a nightmare that got away. So, I'm sorry, so, I thought you said there was no Sandman stuff. No, no, no. No Brute and Glob, none of that sort of stuff to get them there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, in the show, that's not where Jeb was. Jeb Jeb. was already escaped and with the Corinthian and like on a much longer trip with the Corinthian on the TV show than what we are going to see here shortly. Right, right. So this is kind of where, you know, a lot of this story differentiates as we'll get to in the next issue. But technical wise, okay. so I read these digitally just because it's easier for me while I'm going through my normal workday. But when we do the show, um, I have my print copy here. Right. Mm -hmm. And Todd, I want to say. The digital copy compared to the print copy, the original print, especially the coloring, sucks. Right. The originals are so good. Rose's hair is so much more colorful. The purples pop so much more in the original print coloring. In here, everything is more of a muted blue or a darker or or lighter purple as opposed to like the real purple purple that was in that original coloring, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just makes it feel so much different. Like I'm, I like I read my digital copies, and then I'm looking here through, and I'm like, did I read this? You know, like just as an example, if you're looking at that last page as Morpheus is gearing up, right, mm-hmm. to go get Brute and Glob, and he's putting his gloves on. Okay, in the print edition, those gloves are like a beige color almost. In the digital copy, those gloves are blue. Okay, right. And then as we go to that last page, you know, they've added some oranges uh, to as he's putting on his cloak. The arch, the archway that he's standing in in the in the digital version is more blue that they put in there, where in the print version, like it's just literally it's just shades of all purple. 
I'm telling you, go if you get a chance, look at the iterations of the original print and the digital versions. And like, man, I tell you, the the the, the digital's just ain't it, man. See, and it's funny because I'd have to go look. I will say the digital of him standing in the archway blows me away. Go look at the print. Go look I, at the print. I'll have version. to, but because like I, I buried a lot of my comics, I have to go see where they are. You know what I mean? Go dig them up. All right. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> but uh, so. Right. Go ahead. Ready, go ahead. We ready for 12? Yep. Ready for 12. Which, by the way, I had completely forgotten until you mentioned it earlier in the week on Twitter that Chris Bacallo drew this issue. Yes. I honestly did not think Chris Bacallo drew anything until death, the high cost of living. Um, but, and I'm just going to get to the art here because he's being inked by, uh, Malcolm Jones, the third in this. I don't even recognize this. At, I recognize this as more Mike Dridgenberg than Chris Bacallo. Yes, it's very much Bacallo aping Dridgenberg style. Mm-hmm. Where we don't really see Bacallo's style and whatever Bacallo's style would become and whatever you're a fan of, whatever era it is. Bacallo's style doesn't come to be more recognizable as his own style until he does the uh, Death High Cost of Living miniseries. Right, slash Generation X. That was like, uh, that era was like a different look for him. Yes. But uh, the issue starts with Lyda like wandering around the headquarters of the dream world um, and I do like that if you look in like panel on the first page, if you look at panel three, that there is like, it looks like Mervin. And then is that the Watchmen button in the corner, Joe? That's what it looks like. I like that there seems to be, and I swear to God, in panel four, there's like Einstein, Judge Dredd, um, maybe Neil Gaiman on one of those TVs. Definitely, yeah, definitely Judge Dredd. I see a dinosaur. I see the Statue of Liberty. All sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. The Watchmen button I see in the previous page. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mervyn Pumpkinhead. I don't know. Um, There's a maybe Joker. A, maybe a Joker. Maybe a Batman slyly snuck in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, well, Batman slyly snuck <gasps> in there. A Joker not so slyly on that sixth panel. And I'm 90% sure on the fourth, the sixth panel, Joe, with yeah. the big eyeball. If you look at the bottom right is picture, there seems to be guy in a floppy hat with curly hair and a scarf on. Oh my goodness! How dare they sneak that into my Sandman comic? Right, right. So um, we're seeing uh, Hector Hall, you know, with Brute and Glob doing all this stuff where he's fighting uh, a ten alarm nightmare and the nightmare monster. And I will say this, Joe: everything that he's doing in here is i read the silver age sandman run it's hot garbage the jack kirby (laughs) run it's hot garbage jack only wrote the first issue um but everything he does in this and then later on the stuff that we find out um in later books he weaves seamlessly all continuity into here without stepping on anything um thereby working already sandman mystery theater the golden age wesley dodds and the silver age sandman in here a la setting the groundwork up for stuff like Starman later on down the line. Um, but Lida's asking questions because she's like, oh, we're here. Um, I feel like I was about six months pregnant when we got here. 
but I feel like we've been here for like, you know, forever. And he's like, Oh, I'll look into that. Maybe I like his, his stupid answer is um, we're in the dream world. Maybe the stork got lost. I'll have to talk to, to brute and glob. Um, I do like how dopey Hector is. Like he is, you know, obviously, and we, you know, if you didn't already say, you know, we do find out why he's just like, he rolls with the punches of everything, very easily malleable mm-hmm. to everything that Brute and Glob are laying out in front of him, you know? Right. And she's like, we're here to protect with Brute and Glob uh, the, the the wonderful dreams of all the children, all the children in the world, which was what the, the Silver Age Sandman's job was. But she's like, in all this time, I've never, you know, saw any children other than um, Jed. Uh, Jed's the only one who, caught, like, I ever see. Um and it's like, I, I, I wonder why. And like, they cut to him and uh, the people who are, you know, his foster parents are beating him up, telling him that the, uh, that the person's coming from the Department of Welfare, see how you're doing. And you're, you're going to be quiet and you're going to do what you say and everything is fine. Or I'm going to like tan your hide kind of a deal. I'm going to beat you senseless. Right. And we kind of are past a lot of that in the TV show, just to throw it out there. Right. Right. So, um, He's like, uh, like Hector Hall is like looking at this thing. Now, Brute and Glob are talking in the background. He's like, he's like, I don't know. Um, it's him, isn't it? It's Lord Mo- and 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 Glob is like, shut up. He's like saying his name is going to get him immediately in here. Um, and it, you know, but he's coming, and he can't just come in here breaking down the doors, or he kills the kid. And there's rules, and he sticks to his rules. Uh, but th- it buys us a little time. Um, and they even say, I'm beginning to think we should have stuck with the last one. Hal's even dumber than Sanford was. And Sanford was the original, uh, Silver Age Sandman who, well, they say a little bit, a little, little bit later. Um, so Sandman's like, uh, oh, I'm coming. Um, he travels through like the mazes of stuff to kind of, uh, you know, travel the ways, even though it's hard. Um, I'm trying to think what light is doing. Cause she's dressed as like, like she's telling her life story and how she was fury. Um, uh, a sidekick who was originally Steve, Tre- the earth to Steve Trevor and wonder woman's daughter. But then crisis changed that. And what she became the child of is better left unsaid because it's so confusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's one of those, like, here's a person who's this new made character, and then I was trained by Hippolyta, who was who would time travel once a year to get around all that, like, Earth 2 nonsense. Um, but she ends up thinking, like, I thought, like, I remember having Hector's, you know, having Hector's baby, but uh, then there was times where I had this nightmare where I thought he was dead. Well, to be fair, he was dead. But Brute and Glob caught his soul in the Dream Dome and made him Sandman Protector of Dreams, which is 100% what happened in Infinity Inc. He died as the Silver Scarab. Uh, he was the Golden Age Hawkman, Hawkwoman's kid, and he had a suit of nth metal. But he died and in Infinity Inc. So there's Sandman appearances, not Morpheus, Silver Age Sandman's in there. Um, and they're like, this should have worked. Uh, Brute and go- Glob, but we, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to sit here. We should we hide? Go find somebody else, um, or do we just sit here and wait for uh, Morpheus to get here and pull this bozo's head off? <laughs> Which I like. Um, 
Uh, so they're on uh, Rose and Gilbert are on their way and they end up, you know, their car breaks down. They they walk to a hotel and there's a serial convention going on, but naturally there's no rooms, but Rose ends up charming them into giving them two rooms, rooms for the night. Um, and she says that he's his cousin kind of a deal. And there's a list of people and I like all the lists. You can kind of see it. The Corinthians on there. Looking to see if there's one that's in the next issue, but uh, the Candyman's there. I do like how there's the Devil Kentucky and the Devil Oregon. Sure, you don't want to mix those up, Joe. And there might be a slur written in there as well, which again, a little shocking to see. Still, uh, again, you know what? Let me look because I'm looking at the print edition. Oh, it's in the digital. Oh, okay, it is in the digital. Is All it right. like the Rocketeer? Yes. Okay, then it is in the digital. Um. And I'm just gonna click. I'm just gonna throw in here real quick on the next page. Uh, we get a bit where the Corinthian is looking for some folks, right? Mm-hmm, of a certain uh, trade, speci- right? Very specifically, word in the street is you're looking for a little rough trade and easy action, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole thing is in blue or purple or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. then in that last panel on the page, as they go for his sunglasses, you see that bit where around the edge of the sunglasses, everything is colored correctly now. Right. Yeah. So that's really cool. And he grabs the thing and he's like, he cut my fingers off. He's like, he bit his fing- my fingers off with his eyes. And he's like, um, well, gentlemen, you've had your fun. Now it's uh, my time. Nice knife. Easy action. I do like, that's the world of a serial killer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so Morpheus is breaking into that dream world that they created and he's, he's like, he's meeting uh, Hector Hall for the first time. Um, and because of this, uh, there's something happening in Jed's head as they fight. And he's like, it's, it, you know, it's happening. It's, it hurts. I'm, just, I'm, I'm frightened. Um, and he's kind of like having energy shoot out of him while light is going to talk to brute and go like looking for brute glob and uh, Hector. Um, and, uh, brute and glob are talking. He's like, should we go to hell? No, heaven He's like, don't make me laugh. Um, we could hide in the two people upstairs and cut their skins out and hide in their bodies. He's like, "Eh, I don't know. He would look, he's like, yeah, he would. Uh, Sandman tries to use his sonic, his ultrasonic whistle. Yes, that was in the comics. Um, he ends up trying to use his dream sand. Yes, that was in the comics. Um, and he basically says, I'm going to give it one last go. You'll never get past me. I am the Sandman, the guardian of dreams, the man of men, protector against wicked nightmares, Lord of dream dome and friend of children everywhere. And Sandman's like, Morpheus is like, you're what? And there's like these, Icky, like word balloons that you're like, huh, you're trying to figure out what's going on. And he's like, you're, you're the Sandman. That's what they told you, little ghost. And that's when we realize Morpheus is laughing, openly laughing. Right. So I just want to interject here. So as the, you know, the end of issue 11 is uh, Sandman. Well, I got, I kind of got thrown off with the coloring stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So as Sandman is gearing up, okay. To go take on Bruton Glob, it is ominous. It is scary, right? Morpheus comes across as a threat, maybe a bad person, maybe even an evil person. Mm-hmm. And it's at this moment where he realizes what Bruton Glob have done that 
he changes. He kind of takes the armaments off. Mm-hmm. He ends up looking like what we normally see Morpheus as in the book. And he realizes that there is no threat here. And I don't think the Morpheus from 80 years prior would have done this. I don't think so either, but I will tell you this, Joe, this is the only time in 75 issues and one special that Morpheus laughs. (laughs) That is it. There is no other time. He may laugh in like some of the stuff after 75, like the, the, the material, but um, I think it's part of it is he was trapped and that changed him. Part of it is how ridiculous this is that he thinks he's the dream King as a superhero. What brute and, gl- and it's as tight, you know, as tight as Sandman is, as Morpheus is, it's beyond like, this is just too ridiculous. If that makes any sense. Yes. So, um, he ends up, you know, stopping it. He's like, this dream is over. And that's when the, the, the foster parents hear something and the, the cellar just explodes and he's like, he ends up finding brute and glob. I, you know, I bet this had, what was the, the, the purpose of this? And they're like cursing. They're like waiting for an explanation. And that's when glob just lays it all out. He's like, you were gone. We figured you'd be away for a while. So we'd make our own dream King and we'd be running it. So we kid hidden the kids dreams, Walled it off. The first mortal we used was Garrett Sanford. That's his shoot name. He cracked and killed himself. That happened. He's like, so this time we started with somebody who was dead. And it figured it would be easier. And that's why he's more malleable. And he wants to believe because he doesn't want to die. And we were going to start our own like dreaming. And But you got out too early and uh, got here. And this is what happened. He's like, what happens now? And he's like, I'll clean up your mess. Um, but I doubt that either you will enjoy the next thousand years. Um, and like light is like having a moment where she's kind of crashing now. She's like, this can't be real. This dark cellar, like may I must be dreaming. And he's like, um, he's like time for you guys to go home, uh, say hello to the darkness. And they're like, not the darkness. And Hector's like, uh, hello, uh, sure, fella. It's like, uh, he's like, do you have a name, Ghost? He's like, yeah, I'm Hector. This is Lida, short for Hippolyta. He's like, hmm, well, it's unseemly for the dead to walk the earth. So with, like, no care, he's just like, you you belong with the dead. Go to wherever you go now. And he, like, him begging Lida to stop him, like, at any, you know, like, I love you. And she could do nothing. And he's like, you killed him. He's like, I didn't kill him. You know, he was dead. He's like, you should be happy that you had this extra time. And Lida loses it. He's like, you killed him. And he like, this is the Sandman that we know still. He's like, if, if you wish, that's what I did. Like, if that's what's going to get you through, like, he's cold as cold can be. He, he's not a fully changed and evolved person just yet. Nope. And he's like, I'll forgive you. Your grief has affected your judgment. Um... But I want to point out that there is an unborn child within you that uh, you might have been damaged. And I would not want, or like, I should point out that there's an unborn child in you who might have been damaged if I did this. And I don't want to see that child hurt. And she's like, this is no dream. Um, The other life, the house, the husband, that was the dream. She's like, he's like, what are you going to do to me? He's like, nothing. It's like, you killed me. You killed Hector. You destroyed my home. You ruined my life. You call that nothing. And he's like, exactly nothing um go build a new life uh 
Uh, oh, and I almost forgot the child you've carried for so long in the dreams. That child's mine. Um, take good care of it because one day I'm coming for it. He's like, you can't have my baby. He's like, <sighs> he's like, he doesn't want to hear any of this. He goes, I have a prior engagement. I'm afraid of, and I could discuss this no longer. See you again, Hippolyta. Until then, fare thee well. She's like, you take my child over my dead body, you uh, spooky, you know, so and so. And uh, that's the end of that. Now, remember the fact uh, that he says a previous engagement, because I'll get to that at the end of the book. Oh, yeah. So we cut to uh, Corinthian driving up the road. Jed, after the explosion, has has left the house and he's hitchhiking. And we end up seeing that Corinthians through the blue glasses that he's wearing. He's like, hey, where are you going? He's like, it's like, I don't know anywhere away. He's like, what's your name, kiddo? Jed. He's like, why are you wearing those things? It's so dark. Can you see? He's like, sure, I can. Jed, <clears throat> I can see everything. I can see just fine. Things are going to be bad, Joe. Things are going to be bad. Um, but in the next, in the bottom of the page, you know how we have these next blurbs? Um, the next one is says, next issue, Men of Good Fortune, which is not – this is the one that the uh, blurb disappeared because it didn't make any sense to the editor going to the next one. It was originally supposed to say the prior engagement, um, which would explain why the next story that's happening is happening because a lot of people without that, the prior engagement, they didn't understand why – and I'm not, it's not going to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't read it – why the Hobgalding story is next. Because it doesn't make any sense for him to be on the hunt of the vortex and go do this story. But he has a previous engagement. Um, I love this. This mm-hmm. is such great stuff. And as I'm reading this and reminiscing back to just having finished up the TV show, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, there's all these different changes that were made. Like the contrivances of how we got Rose to the hotel. Okay. Mm-hmm. very different here in the book than with the way they were on the TV show. And obviously we're told because Rose, the vortex that all these lost and missing dreams are all going to be, um, you know, attracted to her and so forth. And in the TV show, aren't Rose and Lyda friends. And that's how their connection. <laughs> yes. Lyda is not in the dream world at any point. Lyda's right. husband was killed in a car crash. And then we find out that he has been pulled in by the the rogue dream. I forget what her name was, but it wasn't Bruton Glob. It was like a, a certain name. And they took him in. And then she, he was opening a door and bringing her in. And time was passing faster. And that's when she went in. She got pregnant. And she comes out like within a day. But she had spent like eight, nine, excuse me, like eight months in the dream world, if that makes any sense. Right. So. so- then obviously they're two different. They end up being two different things. What do I like better? I like the book better, man. I like how everything flows in the book. Obviously, we're going to talk next week when we talk about the Hobgalding story, which actually got pulled out of the Doll's House thing and put onto the Death episode, right? Of the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited, man. Like I, I love reading this stuff. I love rereading like this unbelievably great comic book storyline. Right. I, and I get what you're saying about the difference between the book and the show, because some things you have to do because you're not yeah. going to have, you know, Hippolyta be Wonder Woman sidekick. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So like, OK, now we have since we have that now, do we have both people in the 
did they one person didn't die in the car crash so you have the the bit where sandman was a ghost already in this rich history of the story you can't explain all that so he he bears it down but i will say some of it like just the car like him saying in the book for 20 some pages the dreams are going to be attracted to her and she's going to be attracted to the dream that's a simple way when you only have 24 pages to not have to do a whole issue of dialogue to to get you there i and once again do i think the book's better yes but at certain times better by a smidge you know what i mean and the the show does some things better but i'm with you reading this and seeing some of the artwork and sandman at his roughest like his the hardest edge even after like being in prison he's still you know this is him slightly softened up and you're like oh boy yeah. love it all i love it all i'm sure he would tell you that these some of these times are moments of weakness uh, if he could reminisce and go back to some of these things, um, like I said, he is not. The, and again, we, we are. I don't want to spoil things too, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we're not going to talk about um, Lightest Child by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But that's one of those things where, like, here's a seed literally planted in issue 12 that does not come back for another 60 issues. Yeah, like, and I hate to keep bringing this story up over and over again because he thought he was only going to get 12 issues. Right. So this is where he dumps it all because he has hit the ground running. And by this point, he is the highest selling horror title in the last 20 years at this time. You know what I mean? Right. And he's starting to get acclaim and maybe some awards. So he's like, let me lay all the seeds. And he lays so many seats in this show but all good stuff yep so uh you know as mentioned we just read issues 11 and 12 we're going to read 13 and 14 next week and like i said uh i'm i'm excited to be reading more and more and more of this you know yep and uh it gets uh you know it gets crazier and crazier um, and what is this? Parts four and five of the Doll's House that we have coming up, and then it's uh, six and seven, perhaps, right? Right. And then I think there's one issue of the Doll. We, like we do one week where it's this because the next storyline is just four individual short stories. Yeah, yeah. To spoil it, you know. Uh, but yeah. So uh, thanks everyone for hanging in there with us. Thanks for listening. Of course. Uh, wrapping up here, episode 644 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe, saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.